Well, welcome back, folks. It is time once again for another episode of Campbell's Footballs. Yes, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs, the only show where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack. On the podcast this week, the Betfred Cup Last 16 review and quarterfinal draw. Lots of talking points there, with five of the eight games going to extra time. I'll also be discussing the Europa League, an exit for Aberdeen at the hands of Rijeka, but Celtic and Rangers are still in Europe for now. We'll assess how Celtic get on against AIK of Sweden and how Rangers could fare against Legia Warsaw. My guest and I this week will be chatting about our weekend predictions and my guest this week is BBC Sports Scotland commentator Paul Mitchell. And on my show this week with Paul, I want to tap into his notes of a football commentator. On the only show where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack, this is Campbell's Footballs in association with Toby Johnson Music. Do you hear that sound? Paul, a warm welcome to Campbell's Footballs. How are you doing? Grant, very well. Thanks for the invite. Very much appreciated. I, I, I'm a little bit starstruck because you're probably, in fact, you are um, probably my high, most high-profile um, person I've had on tonight and on uh, my podcast rather. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's fantastic to have you on. I'm, I'm you've kind of a bit of a generational thing for me. Uh, throughout my time, I've followed football and many other things. So it really is an honour for me to have you on the the podcast. No, genuinely nice to be here. I love the opportunity to talk about football and broadcasting and just have a, a good conversation. So, no, delighted. Now, on your Twitter, you, you say that you're a, a big sports fan. I kind of highlighted tonight when I did my intro earlier on that you're obviously a football commentator for the BBC, but you do a wide range of sports, don't you? Yeah, I mean, football and rugby are my principal sports, rugby union. Uh, I do bowls, so they're the main sports. In the past, they've also done ice hockey, shinty, rowing, horse racing, handball. I'll basically try anything that that uh, the BBC asked me to do or people <laughs> asked me to do. Yeah. Uh, I've, I've turned down a couple of sports. I've turned down darts previously because they wanted something very up-tempo and that's not really me. <laughs> uh, and cycling because I don't have any great love of bikes. So, mm. that, you know, it, you can get away with certain things. I mean, you know, Shinty is very much just like, you know, covering football. It's just, you know, it's the same um, ideals. Ice hockey was really different, really quick, mm. really fast, but again, prepared in the same way and working out, it's all about description. So so those ones I really, really enjoyed, um, but is it principally football and, and rugby. Now, you spoke to me earlier, and uh, you're very much into podcasting, as you just said, and you're also on the an NFL podcast, is that correct? 
Yeah, along with Cameron Hobbs, uh, we started the NFL Scotland podcast uh, last year, and it's gone from strength to strength. We're doing pretty well with it. It's a niche market. Mm-hmm. Um, it is all about the NFL. We try and get it from a Scottish perspective, and we're quite lucky because I mean, there's a, there's actually a Scot who's trying out for the NFL at the moment. There's some British players there, and it's a sport that's really caught on mm. over here. It has. People are getting into it. So uh, yeah, I really enjoy podcasting as well. So what first got you into to football? Why did you Why did you want to get into football in the first place? First place, it was really the magic of radio. Uh, as a kid listening to a radio under the covers in bed, you know. I mean, I, I, I'll admit I'm 50 years old. I turned 50 <laughs> in December, so. You know, the generation that is used to smartphones, clear radio signals and everything, it seems like a world away when you used to get sort of crackly feeds coming through. Uh, I used to listen to a station called Radio Luxembourg Mm -hmm. an awful lot, um, and I fell in love with the art of radio. From there, I stumbled across... the American Armed Forces Radio Network, which used to come out of Germany on 873 uh, medium wave. And from there, that's where I got my love of American sport and listening to sportscasters because I heard baseball and the NFL. And was just, that was incredible. Into football, I mean, listening, you know, to the radio, David Francie was the main voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, when I was sort of eight, nine years old, you'd listen to all these wonderful games from far-flung foreign places, yeah. very crackly uh, lines coming <laughs> in and out. And I just fell in love with the whole concept of radio, and then, because I was a mad sports fan, playing it and watching it, uh, I used to watch Grandstand every Saturday, yeah. trying to watch all the various sports and learn about them. And that's where, you know, so the two obsessions then came together uh, sport and my love of radio Excellent, Uh, was there any sort of inspirational figures from the world of radio, certainly in Scotland that really got your attention from the beginning? Well, listen, I mean, David Francie was just one of those voices, and I used to listen to Sports Sound. Sports Sound back then was a very different beast to what it is now. It's very modern, it's very football-focused now, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, just listening to that, you know, Peter Jones on What Was Radio 2, you know, Brian Butler, I mean, mm-hmm. the voice of Brian Butler was just amazing and just listening to these people and thinking yeah they're getting to watch football and they're getting to broadcast that's that's pretty cool the first the, the main Scottish influence would be Alistair Alexander um, who I met because I entered the Radio 2 Young Sports Commentator of the Year competition um, and I reached the Scottish final twice which as I tell people they probably only got about six entries <laughs> anyway um, and I never won it on either occasion, because uh, the chance was to go to London and participate in the in the, the final. Never won it on either occasion. Derek Ray was one of the judges one year, and Alistair Alexander the other, and I was recommended to BBC Sport as somebody worth worth a try. So back in August of '91, uh, Dougie Wernham, the head of Sport at that time, got in touch, uh, offered me you know the chance to to do a couple of games. So I went out with two reporters over two different weeks one was a former linesman called Bill Moulds mm-hmm. and the other one uh, was a very red haired gentleman called James Spence <laughs> of course <laughs> some boy that's all I'm going to say to that one <laughs> basic, yeah so basically it's Spence's fault because he told me <laughs> <laughs> oh me, he's a he's a great guy, Jim Spence. I, I like listening to to Radio Scott, as you know, and and uh, and oh, him, him, great characters like himself and and Chick Young really really make 
uh, Radio Scotland, certainly for me growing up and, and, and obviously now. Um, in terms of your sort of first experience in the commentary box, what game were you at? The first game that I was given to do for Radio Scotland was Hibs Morton back in September of 91. Uh, so I was let loose with my little machine, which they called a Kubi, which was a commentator-operated outside broadcast unit, right. um, and plugged in. And Malcolm Wilson was the original host at that time, because Derek Ray had just left at the start of that season mm -hmm. to go to the States. Uh, Malcolm Wilson started, but very quickly, uh, Richard Gordon. Mm -hmm. took over yeah. um, in that first season I worked a couple of times in studio with Richard because they had a, a secondary presenter at the time who used to read out things like the racing results mm -hmm. and the classified football results yeah. uh, so I got a really nice education into the studio side of it uh, Richard was a much more experienced broadcaster having come from North Sound and, and things like that and yeah. just being able to watch him work and watch how the studio worked gave me a really good mm -hmm. grounding early doors and I just you know, kept doing uh, the games as was, and eventually the the offer to do a commentary came after a number of years. And you've worked at the BBC for quite a number of years now. Um, what has it been like the journey from when you began to to currently current state of play? I mean, the, it's a very interesting place. I've always been freelance. Mm -hmm. uh, I've never been on staff at the BBC. I've always been freelance under contract at various times I mean it's gone from a very small department to a really huge operation because it's now television online everything online yeah. has exploded uh, and it's made the department you know grow greatly you know the, the amount of content and how easy it is to put content out I mean absolutely now now you can walk in. I mean, I, I do my interviews with the managers after games. If I'm not doing a television interview, mm. I do it on my mobile phone. I mean, I started on a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can imagine. And, and, you know, so the, the technology has changed things yeah. wonderfully well, and it usually is pretty reliable as well. So, so there has been a huge change. I mean, things that people might not realise. I mean, you will, from listening to Sportsline, but when I started... You weren't allowed to say which was going to be your main game at three o'clock, right? Uh, in case you affected the attendance, mm -hmm. you weren't allowed to announce. I think till three thirty, what your game was going to be, and commentary came in the second half. It's quite extraordinary. That. I would never, would never have got, I would never have guessed how that has evolved from then till till now, just based on what you just said. That's quite extraordinary. It is. I mean, it, it is extraordinary. I mean, I think the authorities feared that having the game live on the radio would impact the crowd. Um, I mean, one of the first steps was to allow us to do the last 15 minutes of the first half mm. as well as the second half. So things have changed now. Basically, if, if a game's on in Scotland, uh, Radio Scotland are there. You know, that's just what we do. Um, so it, it has changed greatly. I mean, Radio Scotland... The two principal commentators were David Begg and Alistair Alexander. Now, David Begg, what a legend. Absolutely, and they used to alternate weeks. Yeah, that's right. I remember you know, that. I remember that. I, um, you know, but by the end of the, you know, their careers, they were on every week because mm -hmm. they were doing so many games. And of course, games getting moved for television. Absolutely, just, absolutely changed the whole landscape mm -hmm. of broadcasting. Mm -hmm. Following your line of work. It's interesting, Grant, because it's a brutal business, mm -hmm. and that's what people often don't understand. It's a brutal business, not just sports radio commentary, any radio job. Um, it's hard to go from job to job. If you look at the landscape of Scottish local radio, you know, it's you know there used to be, you know, Radio Forth had two stations, Radio Clyde had two stations, yeah. Tier two stations, etc., etc., and all these 
you know, had people, you know, so, you know, fourth two would have four or five disc jockeys, fourth one would have the same. Mm. Now, so instead of 10 or 12 people, you might have three or four because of syndication networking. Yeah. It's it's a brutal business that's shrinking. It's expanding in some ways. You know, there's a lot of community radio. There's a lot of opportunities, but you try and make a living yeah, out absolutely. of community radio. Yeah. Um, so what I would say, it is quite a brutal cutthroat business. Mm-hmm. Um, so don't be afraid to, as I, as I did, I mean, I, I worked in a bank, I worked for Standard Life, mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, to do it as a, a dual profession, if, if that works for you, mm-hmm. um, and just see what the opportunities are, and just try and get experience, experience, I mean, I started off on hospital radio, which which I really, really loved, and I did so many different things, you know, making tea, helping lookout yeah. records, uh, all of the side things, and then you're broadcasting, I mean, I broadcast every genre of music you can think of, <laughs> um, uh, you know, and yeah, when you yeah, sure. Yeah. Black, black about jazz or classical mm. it's it's all learning and you know learning experiences mm. and that's the good mm-hmm. thing try and do any of that that you can in terms of trying to break into the business it's hard I mean, it, it, it's seriously hard. I mean, the you know, there's a lot of clubs. You know, you can volunteer with your your clubs and try and get onto club media. Yeah. And if you like, then you might be able to grow it from there. Yeah. Interesting questions. I'll come back to I'll come back to a wee bit more questions towards the end of the of the podcast. But let's move on to my next topic, which is to talk about the Betfred Cup uh, review. Obviously, the last sixteen was uh, last weekend, where five of the eight games went to extra time. Um, you. Were at Motherwell Hearts on Friday, weren't you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a good game. Uh, I know Stephen Robinson was very disappointed in his Motherwell mm-hmm. side and he stayed in the dressing for an awful yeah, long time. Yeah, I, I thought that listening to the uh, to the, the BBC Scotland podcast afterwards, I was listening to it and uh, yeah, it sounded like he was not amused with the performance. Um, what have you made of both teams? Because I've watched Hearts a little bit this season. I watched them against Aberdeen and uh, they were a little bit scrappy. They were very poor against Ross County and were quite fortunate to get a draw in that game, I thought. But seemed like they maybe turned a corner on Friday night? I tell you what, you'll need to watch the next two or three games. I mean, they play Celtic at the weekend. Mm -hmm. I think you can always discount going to Celtic Park because because it's Celtic. Absolutely, and the home Celtic are so strong, aren't they? Oh, I mean, they're they're ridiculously strong, so, and and as the as they should be. Mm-hmm. But in terms of Hearts, I mean, I, I did the Ross County game. Hearts were as poor as I've seen them mm-hmm. in a long, long time. Mm-hmm. What returned for me on Friday night was the energy level was high. Mm-hmm. They were an awful lot quicker. Of course, they lost Jamie Walker. I thought yeah. he was best thirty-five minutes in a Hearts jersey for a long, long mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. He scored the goal at Petodre that I remember early in the season as well. But he scored a very good goal in that game. Yeah, but I don't think he played particularly well. No, he didn't. He didn't play well at all. He didn't play well at all. <laughs> yeah, he was anonymous against Ross County. So to watch the energy that he brought um, was very impressive. Hearts, of course, have changed the goalkeeper. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bobby Bobby Slamal had looked awful against Ross County, so he needed to be uh, rested. And I think I think they would have played Doyle if Pereira had. Yeah, it was Joel Pereira on loan from from Manchester United, which I thought was a bit of a coup from uh, Levine. That uh, that was for sure because um, I'm a Manchester United fan as well as an Aberdeen fan and you know he's been on the books at United for quite a number of years and uh, I thought that was a bit of a coup for him but I don't know what you think but I, I think getting Stephen Naismith back is a big plus for Hearts Yeah I mean he, he missed the game against Motherwell but due to hamstring mm-hmm. problems but I think his role now he'll have to come in and play into a similar position Absolutely. as Jamie Walker I mean the interesting one for me is Hearts didn't play at Piazzi Yeah that's I, an interesting one 
and they played Connor Washington. Connor Washington, I was speaking to Neil McCann, I was saying, Connor Washington reminds me of Gary McSweegan. Mm -hmm. Intelligent player, good runner, can finish in the box, and I really like the way he played. Interestingly, I thought Motherwell's Chris Long, when he came on, was the opposite to to Washington for Motherwell. Um, And I really liked the way that he played. Mm -hmm. And Motherwell have got some good players. I know Stephen Robinson, as we mentioned, was very unhappy, but I, I do think Motherwell have got some nice players in there, and I don't, I don't see them struggling. Yeah, I think Liam Donnelly is the, the the one that kind of shines for me. He played very well in the albeit the five two loss against Celtic. He scored a couple of well, certainly one very good goal. Maybe Scott Bain should have done better, but that's a, another topic for debate. Um, obviously, Hearts through. Um, other stories of Coyle Celtic taken to extra time against Dunfermline. Yeah, I mean, Dunfermline, I don't know if you know, nobody has lost in the League Cup final more often than Dunfermline for a team that's never won the trophy. Now, that's a so stat. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not bad, eh? It's, it's not bad. bad. If you, if you look at it, uh, you know, there's other teams that have lost in finals, but they've never won one. They've been to three finals. And I thought they gave Celtic a, a very good go. It's, it is hard for Celtic. I don't care what people say. You've had a European disappointment when you've been expected to win. You've lost at home. And all of a sudden, in front of an emptier stadium, mm. it's, it's hard to lift it. Absolutely. It's, it's human nature. It's human nature. And I th- sometimes think... Uh, we, you know, we as fans in various sports, and certainly in Scottish football, we sometimes don't allow for the human element. Mm-hmm. These guys aren't robots. They go up and down. You know, they have good days and bad days, like the rest of us. The best players have fewer bad days, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I found that quite interesting. Uh, Livingston just taking care of Forfar without yep. too much fuss. Uh, you know, two 0 Okay, they they conceded a goal. I was impressed uh, with Forfar in the tournament to, to get through their group with obviously St Johnston they didn't obviously perform at all in that group but well I thought Forfar did so well to get through their group in the first place Yeah so credit to them and I think that if you're one of the so called smaller clubs you just want to get through and have a go at someone um, they would feel hard done by that they drew Livingston because Livingston were the best one in the world don't mm-hmm. take a massive travelling support you know that's where you want a Hearts or a Hebs or an Aberdeen you know four for Aberdeen would have been perfect mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. so y- you want to get through I mean talking of Aberdeen I mean Dundee I thought should have put them away absolutely uh, absolutely and, and there'll be a level of frustration there but there's also it shows a resilience on Aberdeen's part, which again you've lost a midweek European tie. Not yeah. only have you lost the tie, you've had a man sent off. So you've played with ten men for a long time. So I think in those terms, I thought that was a really good comeback. And the interesting uh, thing about Aberdeen is that Andy Constant just loves scoring against Dundee. <laughs> I, I did laugh when I saw the name come through because, yeah, it's just one of these things that he tends to do. And Sam Cosgrove obviously coming on, getting the winner um, because he'd been rested against St. Martin the previous weekend. Mm-hmm. I thought the result of the weekend, as, a, as an exercise, I thought, was Partick Thistle being Ross County because I, I, I honestly fancied the Staggies to go to Firhill and pick up the win. I'm just wondering if the start to the season made them slightly complacent now mm. I'm sure the management team wouldn't think so but again it's that thing in the back of your mind you know you've played Hamilton you've won comfortably you then come down to Tynecastle. now if they'd gone away from Tynecastle with a 3-0 win nobody in that stadium would have batted an island absolutely absolutely I mean, I, I mean the penalty miss was you know, quite extraordinary to hit the woodwork twice off that was just incredible <laughs> It, it, it is bizarre how these things happen. So everybody then expected them to go to Partick Thistle and win quite comfortably. Mm. Um, so they didn't do so. All credit to Partick Thistle and Party have got their payday in the next round. Mm-hmm. And that's Absolutely. What, you know, 
clubs clubs in the in the championship want to do. You want to earn that tie that's going to bring you in a little bit of cash that you weren't expecting, mm. and take the pressure off it. There, there is problems at Partick Thistle. It's Absol- interesting. Absolutely. I, I, I wouldn't like to call which side, but I mean it's very difficult when you know you've got two sides to every story, and everybody wants to present it in their particular way, but. As an outsider looking in, they've got issues. And I hope Absolutely, it's result. not looking particularly great for them. And obviously, with some of the news in England, when you look at clubs like Bury and Bolton struggling, you just wonder if this will potentially could be in as deep a trouble in the coming ter- coming weeks and months as what's happened down there. I, I would certainly hope not. I, I would hope not, but you don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I, I thought the day that English football was broken was the day that Bolton fielded a team of eleven players, none of whom were from England. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now, that, that, that was a good number of years ago. The reason was. I say that it's not not that I'm against foreign players or anything like that. It's just Bolton in that traditional Manchester yeah. heartland. Yeah. They've always had that image, and if all the other teams are you know buying all these foreign players, they should be hoovering up local talent and developing. And it just seemed to be that. And the, and the other thing that it was when you know they sacrificed the chance to get to European it was either a semi or a final because they wanted to try and stay in the Premier League. Yeah. And you just it's. It's all about priorities, and certain parts of the game are broken. And I, you know, I mean, Buddy may may well be unlucky. They may well be mismanaged. Bolton may be the same. Mm-hmm. But they've had they've had these had money, and you can only operate at the level that Absolutely. you're comfortable yeah. in doing so. No, I completely agree. Uh, so, so when teams come up, Grant, you know, Derby a number of years ago, and they, they pretty much got eviscerated most That's games. That's right. Yeah. They weren't prepared to break their wage structure yeah. uh, and ju- just go out. And I think teams have got to try and be true to that. Huddersfield have shown that it can be done. You can come up and you know steady yourself. Sheffield United are trying to do it, I think, in the Premier League this year. Isn't it good to see Sheffield United back? I mean, again, going back to the the days of when I I was you know growing up and following football, Sheffield United were a big club, um, you know, a really serious team. So it's nice to see them back back in the in the top flight. Um, just finishing up the Betfred Cup, Rangers were pretty impressive against East Fife. They they look like they've kind of made strides this season. I, I watched the game. Um, I try and watch. I mean, I, I watch a lot of Scottish football without going over the top about it. Uh, and especially at this time of the season, I want to see teams that I'm going to be covering. And I was quite impressed with Rangers. I mean, Defoe's touched. I mean, it would have killed the Premier League defence, let yeah. alone. East Fife. I mean, East Fife did work hard, as you would expect. Mm-hmm. And that, that's interesting. You know, if, if we can just move to pet hates it's when people say oh, they, they work very hard that's the minimum I expect absolutely no I, I fully agree with that I fully agree with um, that there's an American football coach John Gruden who's challenged his team the Oakland Raiders to start the season he wants them to be the hardest working team in the NFL because hard work takes no talent absolutely anybody can work hard and you know if you've then got talent on top of that you can go you can go further Mm-hmm. Okay, well let's uh, so the, the draw was obviously made so we, we already said Partick Thistle away to Celtic We haven't talked about Kilmarnock you know, they, they got past Hamilton of course previous weekend they were beaten at uh, the Super Seal Stadium or as I still call it New Douglas Park um, What have you made of Angelo Alessio? Well, the thing is if I always think if you're going to go in and manage somewhere, you really do need to speak the language. Yeah, I agree. And again, I've, I've nothing against. I always think it was a good, it was an ambitious appointment, but communication, you know, in 
one of the things that most of us can understand is when you've got a manager in any situation of any work situation, the ability to communicate not just the language in in the easy times, but in the times where things are a little bit trickier. Now I know you know Donati's you know doing a lot of the interpreting yeah, and, is, and yeah. things like this. I just think that is a barrier, mm-hmm. and the thing is, if you get off to a rip roaring start everything's fine exactly second second something goes wrong you start to look for things to nitpick about and that certainly is one it's a talented Kilmarnock team Uh, I think they're a decent side I think I think they play is it Hibs in the quarterfinals they play Aberdeen in the Aberdeen in the quarterfinals no they play Hibs sorry I beg your pardon no you're right they play Hibs yeah and they're at home as well so it's an opportunity for them I think they possibly need a centre forward to to help Eamon Brophy Uh, because obviously with Chris Boyd now retired I think they're missing something there this is my point of view um, and I think Hibs are gamble Hibs are, have conceding a load of goals at the moment yeah I mean if I was Hibs going down to Rugby Park I'd just pretend it was a Welsh team <laughs> that's very true that's very true and of course Aber- Aberdeen against Hearts um, that's an interesting game for me because you know I, I've openly said on my podcast I think Craig Levine might be under pressure from the fans you know there's a lot of Aberdeen supporters are a little bit unhappy with the way Derek McInnes is going about things at Aberdeen what do you think about both of those teams at the moment? You know, I, I tend to lose a little bit of patience because Hearts fans, you know, Craig Levine took them to, you know, cup final. Um, you know, he did finish top six. Yes, they're not playing brilliant, sexy football, which they would like to see. Mm-hmm. But we sometimes forget you can't win all the time. It's the same with Aberdeen. Exactly. Derek McInnes arguably has been doing so well with them. As soon as you hit two or three roadblocks every well, he's lost it. He can't exactly. do this. He can't do that. Is that the and way? Just, is, is that the way the football community is going now? Though this kind of it's a results business. I mean, it's a very well used, very well worn phrase, results business. But I would like to see you know results over a period of time. Mm-hmm. I mean, you mentioned Kilmarnock and the dreadful start they've had, but. The, you know, you then see people say, "Well, how, how long is it going to last?" Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and it's a natural thing to talk about in many ways. But you know, Kilmarnock, if they've done their due diligence, they've done the research, they know he's the guy. If you you know you were to bin him after four or five games, then to me the board has got to go as well. Absolutely, because you know they've got it wrong and if you keep appointing badly um, that's your fault because then obviously you can't evaluate talent you can't evaluate how a manager is going to be you're not taking up good references you're mm-hmm. not talking to the right people but to, to, in, in Craig Levine Derek McInnes I think Derek McInnes he gets the plaudits when they're going well yeah. and Aberdeen like most fan bases now are a little bit quicker to turn on managers and that's simply because we see it more people have a voice be it with Twitter, be it forums, mm-hmm. and that's what we see more than ever before. I don't think there's probably any change to the way that people feel about the managers and the clubs from 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. The change is now people have got a platform. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, I completely agree and, with that. I completely yeah, and, and that, that's the biggest change, Grant. No, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think from an Aberdeen point of view, and obviously being an Aberdeen fan, I think a lot of people I know and, and spoken to were frustrated with the Rayeka game because... It was a great opportunity because maybe because they beat them before, but also the opportunity that they weren't they could have maybe got to the group stages because it was going to be either Ghent or Larnaca, which maybe wasn't the the grandest of the teams they could have drawn. Obviously, it was going to be difficult because we've heard people like Tom English and Michael Stewart speak about it on other other shows. But it, it just looks like a missed opportunity for for Derek McInnes. 
I mean, he would argue it was a missed opportunity. You've gone out to a Croatian team, so it's not the worst in the world. The sad fact is that teams are now looking to draw Scottish clubs. Mm. That That's the sad fact. Now, you can take that... Celtic, you can take apart from that because Celtic, because of what they've done in Europe in recent terms. But in terms of anybody that draws Hearts, Hibs, Aberdeen, Kilmarnock, Motherwell, they're going to see that as a good draw at the mm. moment until we can start beating teams. I mean, I was on holiday a couple of years ago and my son came through to say Hearts had been knocked out by a team from Malta. Yeah, uh, Burkhard Khan, I think it was. Well, I mean, it just sounds like a made up name anyway. <laughs> uh, and, and you're thinking. You can't go out to teams like that. No. You know, and sometimes I feel that. I mean, I'm a great believer. If you're better than the opposition, go and beat them, whether you're at home Absolutely. or away. Absolutely. Just go out and beat them. And I think Aberdeen's problem is, of course, they lost also very quickly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they lost the early goal, and that was it. They were pretty much done mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. thereafter. I think now in modern European terms, you've got to score away from. Absolutely. Home. Completely agree. Completely agree um, with that. And, it, and folks say, well, that's a bit of a cliche, but it is absolutely true. Or you don't concede and you basically it's a one-off game and you've got to beat the other team. It's, it is that easy. But we've been littered with so many. I mean, Kilmarnock going out to Connors Key is just horrible yeah I mean uh, it's quite an extraordinary result I mean I was looking at I was looking at some of the teams in the playoff round I mean I mean Linfield from Northern Ireland have managed to get further than Aberdeen which you know for me just speaks volumes can if you compare those leagues but maybe that's just my personal opinion on that yeah and again the Croatians I mean that is a good league they've got decent players they've got decent sides so is it a surprise that Aberdeen went out no probably not is it a no. disappointment yes, yes. It is. is it a surprise Kilmarnock went out absolutely, absolutely yes yeah. no I agree I agree totally with that um, let's obviously complete this uh, segment Rangers away to Livingston um, I don't think that's a, a bad draw for Rangers it's a tricky no, game but they should get through it, anything's a tricky game if you're away from home in a cup tie because it only takes one moment of madness to get somebody sent off or something like that. Now, I know Rangers aren't great fans of the Livingston pitch, but <laughs> I've been very impressed with the way that Rangers have rebuilt under Stephen Gerrard. Without question. And what I want to say to people is Rangers have got, like, like them or not... Rangers have got, you know, 45, 50,000 season ticket holders. They, they do shop in a different market than most of the other teams, with the exception of Celtic at the moment. Therefore, they should be able to attract better players. Now, what we saw under, you know, the previous managers, Kachina and, and Warburton and things, they just bought their own people. Yeah. And couldn't make them mould. Gerard seems to have a better eye for a player mm. and a better way of bringing things together. I think... One of the best signings of the whole of last season was Kamara from Dundee. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. An, an utter steal. Um, and again, I would question what other teams are watching. Mm. Because you look at him and you think, well, Dundee are struggling a little bit. Might not take too much money. But it might be just indicative that Scottish clubs don't have the money. Mm. And Rangers, I think they've picked up a real diamond there. Uh, you know, they've gone for... The, I mean, Defoe didn't look fit last season. If you give uh, Defoe the service, you'll score goals. I mean, easily. And, and you know, they, they seem to have quite a good base of players. They've got a good goalkeeper. They've got a good second goalkeeper. Tavernier's solid. He's been there a while as well. It just Rangers are starting to get an identity yeah. of a team, and it's not just a team that's been turned over every year. 
Well, let's move very nicely into the, the fact that uh, Celtic and Rangers are playing European football tomorrow night. Uh, Rangers um, are against... Now, it's names escape my memory. Legia Warsaw uh, away from home. Um, what do you think about that? It's an interesting draw, that. Yeah, I, I think in terms of you look at some of the other teams they could have got. Rangers will be quite happy. Will it be easy? No, no. I don't. Sus I don't suspect it will be. Same for Celtic and AIK. Again, you're you're now getting to the point. I think Aberdeen found it. You're getting to the teams that are pretty much level with you, and therefore it's then about organisation tactics. It's about the little mm -hmm. things that make a difference. Taking your chances when they come. Keeping eleven men on the park absolutely can be so important. Uh, so I don't think either Rangers or Celtic have got much to fear. I would reckon they will both go through, mm -hmm. and it'd be good to have two teams in the the group stages of the Europa League. I think that'd be a great thing. I would rather Celtic were in the group stage of the Champions. League yeah, definitely. Definitely. That's what provides the interest. Uh, I mean, the Champions League, just to digress, is losing its lustre a little bit. Mm. Um, I think some of the group games are just too tedious. You can lose a game and you're still you could still win your group. Um, so even when the odd shock happens, it doesn't really have a great impact. Uh, whereas you know, I would always watch the Scottish team in Europe. You know, in Celtic have had some great nights. Celtic Park is a great place to be on a Absolutely. European night. If, if people haven't experienced that, it doesn't matter what team you support. I'll tell you what, I mean, I, I, I've been fortunate. I've been to Celtic Park on a European night, Ibrox, Rugby Park, Easter Road, Tyne Castle, Pitodre, uh, all of these places, and there's just something so good about a European night. Mm. Um, and, you know, people to get the chance to go along and watch Champions League football. It's just, it is, it's quite amazing. Mm -hmm. When you talk about European nights and you mentioned Aberdeen, the, the one thing that reminded me about that was the 4-0 against Copenhagen back in 2008. That, that was a great night. Um, the, the Bayern Munich game was a great Bayern game. Bayern Munich game, of course, as well, yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah. As well, uh, Shania Luko scoring. I mean, I... <sighs> I tried to moderate the, the goal calls because I was taught early uh, by Alistair Alexander if, what would you do if, you, if the best goal you've ever seen gets scored after 10 minutes in a game? And I'm like, well, you know, you get really excited, but you can't go to the top of your range because what happens if the better than best goal gets scored in the 90th minute? <laughs> where do you go in terms yeah. of your range? Uh, but surely, look, I think it's slightly off the charts with that one. The, the win against Copenhagen was great. Uh, one of the best European nights grant I ever had was the night in Dnipro when Aberdeen got through. Yes, I remember that night. Dnipro Petrovic. Remember, you know, coming back from the stadium, being in the airport lounge, a lot of the fans and players were together waiting for the charter and just being in that atmosphere and chatting to Jimmy Calderwood and some of the guys, it was just such a... I mean, it really was. It was wonderful. Because Scottish triumphs in Europe, especially away from home, are quite rare. Absolutely. Uh, and that was some night, I'll tell you. Absolutely. Well, I've got... A, we'll carry on with that in a second because I've got a, another question regarding that. But let's move on to our predictions uh, for the weekend's matches. And this is where I get to pit my wits against... Uh, a, a kind of experienced guy like yourself and I'm a bit nervous here because I expect to get well and truly beaten this week um, let's start obviously in Scotland um, Hamilton against Motherwell Lanarkshire Derby to kick things off yeah I think Motherwell will bounce back having uh, had a couple of tough results against Celtic and also against Hearts uh, Motherwell 2-0 
You're going for two nil. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for the same, but I think I'm gonna go for two one um, to uh, to Motherwell. I think uh, I think Aki's at home are always a tough nut to crack. The, obviously the the plastic pitch, but as you say, a bit of a derby game. Mother will be up for it, and I, I think they'll sneak over the line two one. Uh, next yeah, I mean, up, I have to say I do like you know I've been watching you know this time of season tracking all the signings and things. Brian Rice. Brought in a couple of good players, and you know he's a very clever guy. So mm. I, I just fancy Motherwell because of the way they've started the season. But I, I think Hamilton will surprise one or two teams. I think, this year. think the young lad Cunningham looks a bit of a, a, a player. I certainly saw him against uh, Ross County on the sports scene. He looked like he was the only player that that looked like he could probably do something. I didn't I didn't see the game against Kilmarnock, but obviously the one to know and were much more impressive. Um, next up is Hibs against St Johnston. St Johnston had a tricky start to the season. Yeah, I mean, it's very unlike St. Johnson. Uh, Tommy Wright's done a good job for so long in terms of the league placing, where they finished, and trying to keep them going. The biggest thing you need in any league is a goal scorer. St. Johnson struggled the last couple of years. Hibbs, I mean, there were actually people debating about Paul Heckenbotham whether you should stay Strong or go right. after the league the league cup tie and you just think and, and this is what we've talked about it's this instant overreaction to everything everything's okay. either fantastic or it's or it's dreadful yeah uh, I mean I, th I think Hibs will win the game 2-1 uh, uh, I think they've got you know they've got some nice creative players Hibs it's just a question of can they use them I think the loss of Martin Boyle is a bad one absolutely for I really Huge. love the spark that he gives uh, Scott Allen well he's obviously won I was going to go to award. superb yeah. player I mean, he, he, he is great, and I think because he's not played as much as he would like to in the last few years, perhaps the, there's a little bit of extra effort there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll take Hibs to win that one. I'm, I'm going for Hibs to win that one as well, for pretty much exactly the same reasons. But I'm actually going for them to keep clean sheet, which is quite rare. I'm going to go 2-0 Hibs in that one. Now, next up is Kilmarnock against Aberdeen. Well... I don't want to try and get exactly the same as you, so I suspect you might be going uh, the way of the, the, the men in red. Uh, I actually think, I mean, th this one to me has got a draw written all over it. Aberdeen, I think, would just be happy because of how Kilmarnock have been in recent times. So I'm going 1-1 one, one on this one. Yeah, I'm going 2-1 Aberdeen, but I, I don't see it being um, a, a, an easy game for Aberdeen. I expect uh, Kilmarnock to come out firing. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if the game went to... Pretty much injury time and Aberdeen nicked it, but I I went to one, but it's more a heart prediction than the head one on that one. I've got to say. Um, I now thought you, I thought you were going Aberdeen. Don't yeah, you? yeah. I'll, I'll often near put one one there actually. Um, next up is Ross County against Livingston. Uh, I'll be making the six-hour round trip to watch that ah. game for for Radio Scotland. It's one of the nicest places to Beat go. To Dingwall. Been to Dingwall. Yeah. Great, 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 great ground. Unfortunately, the game I went to, they got beat 2 0 by Dundee a couple of seasons ago. Ah, there you go. Now, it's just a place I've always liked going. Roy McGregor's so friendly. It's, it's just a, a nice place. Fantastic club as well. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. You know, they're trying to develop the talent from around their area. That's the way. I think they, they've got to go and it's good that you know Inverness have done well Ross County have done well you know Inverness obviously won a trophy Ross County won a trophy it's really you know they, they have been solid success stories mm. in Scottish football uh, they beat Hamilton 3-0 I think Livy are a bit a bit vulnerable on the road. Yeah, um, I agree with that, and I don't think I don't think I, they're going to have the same steel defensively without the, with the loss of Kelly, Halkett, Gallagher. They're big players to fill. Yeah, I mean, 
you know, they've brought in a few different players. And it'll be my first look at Livingston this season. It'll be very interesting to see how they get on. I, I do enjoy watching a team for the first time when they've had changes brought into them. It'll be interesting to see what Gary Holt, I think, has been in charge for a year now, mm. what he'll come in and do. Uh, I'm going to go with the Staggies in this one. And I'm uh, going to go 3-1. I actually wrote 3-1 there as well. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm going I'm going 3-1 Ross County. I, I also think as well, where we're on the subject of Ross County, they'll actually look like a team that will score loads of goals as well, which in the past has sometimes been a bit of a problem. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I mean, I like Ross Stewart. I think he's developing nicely up front. Uh, Billy McKay's got a lot of pace, a nice touch about him, and the fitness is back there. So they, they do have a threat. They play the game. I, I like watching Ross County, and it's got absolutely nothing to do with their performance, but they've got a really nice kit this year as well. Yeah, def- I, I, I quite agree. Um, right, we're moving on to the Sunday games, um, and we're at Parkhead for Celtic against Hearts. We, we've already kind of talked about this. Celtic to win reasonably comfortably here? Yeah, I mean, it'll come as no surprise that I'm going to go for Celtic to win comfortably and Rangers to win comfortably yeah. uh, in Paisley simply because that's what tends to happen. Um, you know, Hearts have given some good performances at Celtic Park over the years. They seem to do well for an hour or so. I mean, I've done enough Celtic games. You see this team does really well. 30 minutes, lose a goal just for half time. You do well for an hour and suddenly get overwhelmed. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's that's just the way it happens. And it's it'd be interesting to see how Hearts set up and whether Ikpiatsu comes back in. Yeah. And uh, and he just decides to keep you know Washington for the next game. So I'm going to go Celtic three uh, one. I think Hearts will score. I don't think Celtic are as tight as as they have been in seasons past. No, I agree. I've I've actually gone for two 0 Celtic here, but I completely completely agree with what you said. Um, I'm talking about defensively, the Cluj game. Um, how, when was the last time Celtic conceded four goals in a home game? It's quite amazing. Um, See, that's the kind of thing that I've got when I when I do a game. I've got on my stat sheet. You know, I try, I try and carry things like that because I put that in the category of it's going to happen sometime and if it happens when I'm there, I want to have it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've got, you know, when I did a lot of European games uh, with with Celtic Rangers and, and things, I always, you know, I had a secondary sheet that I had which had various things that happened once in a blue moon because you just want to be able to pull exactly. out that stat. Yeah. And the, re- the reason I carry that is, um, I remember... Ian McCall and I went over to Bratislava for Gordon Strachan's first game in charge. Yeah. And uh, they lost 5 0 against Armenia. Armenia, uh, Bratislava, I, yeah, I remember that game. That was an absolute shambles of a performance. Well, it was, but, but one of the things that I hadn't done on my sheet that night was to look to see what Celtic's heaviest defeat in Europe was because I wasn't expecting it. And that, that taught me. That taught me a lesson um, that even if you think something's highly unlikely, uh, if you're in the stats business as I am, you've got to have that kind of thing to hand. Yeah. Anyway, you know. But again, now everything's easier for a lot of commentators because they can try, try and Google things. Exactly. Exactly. Um, 100%. Uh, whereas you know, you go back ten years, you weren't getting these things. You had to, you had to have them written down, and you had to know them. No, I fully agree. So you've went with three-one. I've went with two-nil. And you think Rangers will win comfortably in Paisley? 
Yeah, 4-0. Ooh, interesting. I, 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 I think the interesting thing with St. Mullen is I look back on how they played against Aberdeen and I thought Jim Goodwin's side looked like they had a bit of steel about them. I, I, by the way, I have to say I was a little bit saddened to hear what happened with the uh, kind of saga with Oren Kearney. You know, I kind of follow Northern Irish football a wee bit. I was a, I'm a bit of a Coleraine fan. So when he moved to St. Mullen, I kind of knew a little bit about the style of football he had there and what he was going to be given St. Mullen. And okay, they just stayed up by the playoffs, but I thought maybe they might have kicked on if he was still there, but obviously that came to pass. Um, Goodwin has come in, didn't start particularly great, but you know, they're, they're starting to get, you know, they got the result against Aberdeen, and I, I think I think against Rangers they'll be overpowered um, with the likes of Defoe and, you know, players like Arebo with the quality they've got, but you know, I, I just I just think that Simonon could make it sticky early on, so I went 3-1 there to Rangers. Right. The reason for going for 4-0 is simply it's no reflection on St Mirren. Um, it's just simply the way that Rangers are playing, the goal scorers, they've got the, the confidence that they're playing with. I like Jim Goodwin. Um, I've worked with him a couple of times. I've interviewed him a few times. He's a very deep thinker in the game. But Rangers have got class at the moment in, in Scottish football terms. Um, yeah. yeah, I could be wrong. I've been wrong before. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's move into the English Premiership because there's a lot of people on my on my podcast that listen are very interested in English football. Uh, on Friday night, Aston Villa are taking on Everton. Yeah, this is one of these games that would you actually sit and turn on? I mean, I, I need reasons to watch games if it's not Scottish football. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and John McGinn playing for Aston Villa is probably reason enough. They got off to a, a poor, poorish start, um, but I think they, they've got to get, try and get points on the board early. I'll, I'll go for a, a narrow 2-1 Aston Villa win. I'm going to go a score draw, um, simply because I, I'm not sure Everton are that going to be that brilliant away from home this season. And I think Villa were a little bit unlucky last week against Bournemouth. So I'm going for to get them gains them some retribution. I think I'll get a 1-1. Um, Saturday's games, uh, we start off with the lunchtime kickoff at Carroll Road, Norwich against Chelsea. Yeah, I mean, it's one of these classic fixtures that if Chelsea are going to do anything, they've got to go down to Norwich and win. Uh, and I think they will. Norwich are bright enough, but I think it's the kind of game Chelsea need to win. I'm not convinced about Frank Lampard. I'm not sure it's a great appointment for Chelsea. Um, I'm not sure selling players when you're not allowed to buy players either is a particularly mm -hmm. clever idea. Mm -hmm. um, but they obviously got off to... You know, they've had a couple of interesting results, shall we say, Chelsea. Mm. And I think they need to get back on track, so I'll take them to win 2-0. Yeah, I've gone exactly the same. I have to say one thing about Norwich is Timu Puki getting a hat-trick. Couldn't help it in Scottish football, but gets a hat-trick for Norwich last week. <laughs> it, it is amazing when you see some of the names that pop up and you think... Then he used to play up here. Yeah, yeah. And you're like, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's it's quite astonishing, really. Um, three o'clock games. Uh, Brighton against Southampton. Brighton have started quite nicely. They they have done, and but I'll tell you, Southampton are going to win this by a country mile, and I say that with the knowledge that my youngest son is a Southampton. <laughs> um, and it, it, which came out of nowhere. I think that's part of the problem. When you you just 
pick Southampton as his English team perhaps you do too much FIFA yeah. um, <laughs> on that and uh, I've actually been to the Premiership to watch Southampton mm. um, and we're hoping to take him again soon so I'm going to go to Southampton we'll, we'll get a 1-0 win having lost their opening too I'm going to go 1-0 the other way I think Brighton will win uh, I, I don't see it being a classic but Brighton at home are always very tough to beat um, my problem with Southampton is are they going to score enough goals um, I think they're going to be down there come the end of the season along with Brighton to be honest with you uh, but I'm going to go 1-0 um, to Brighton there uh, next up is Man United against Crystal Palace uh, I think United will win this one quite comfortably yeah I mean Palace are the kind of team that can you know cause a little bit of trouble but again you look at history and history tells you Manchester United will likely win this I'm not convinced this is a great Manchester United team no I, I agree with that bit fair bit away from it I mean you used to think oh Man United are on Sky I'm going to watch them mm -hmm. um, now if you said you know you can watch Man United against Crystal Palace I would probably give a little glance out the window to see if the grass needed cut <laughs> so give us a score 2-0 uh, to Man United yeah I've got it I've got exactly the same on that one I, I, I think Palace a big problem for them is again goals you know if Zaha doesn't score where's their goals coming from um, next up is Sheffield United against Leicester. We, we already said Sheffield United star. Well, Leicester have two under Brendan Rodgers, of course. Yeah, it's very interesting. I mean, that's where the interest comes in when, you know, the former Celtic manager is there. Sheffield United traditionally, as I say, I've always had an affinity because they've always appeared to be a big a big club. I think the Blades will get on the board. I think they'll win 1-0 here. Nice little home win for them. Yeah. Um, I think, again, what... What worries me a little bit about some of the games in England is will, where will goals come from? I think there's a lot of teams that are quite similar. Mm, yeah, no, I, I, uh, I kind of agree with that. I've gone with Leicester to win this game because I thought they should have won at Chelsea last week. Madison, for me, is you know ripping it up in the in the Premier League. He's going to be Leicester's best player this season, I think, by an absolute distance. Um, and I just think they may have enough here. Um, but. Chris Wilder and Sheffield United are doing a great job and I'm going to go Leicester to win 2-1 there um, It's interesting because I, mean, I want Brendan Rodgers to do well with Leicester simply because it helps the Scottish game I agree completely because If he goes down there and doesn't succeed people say well he could do it it's Celtic because there was no competition I want to say he doesn't necessarily need to win things he's just got to get a reputation you know, for putting together a good team for playing well and being you know, when when the big teams come calling, um, you know, making life really hard. For yeah, no, competing and certainly being involved in the latter stages. Now, I agree with that. Um, the last three o'clock game on Saturday is Watford against West Ham. Well, my great old uncle Frank was a West Ham fan, uh, and West Ham were one of the teams that I started to follow when I was following football in England. Trevor Brooking's goal to win the 1980 Cup Final uh, is one of my favourite goals that I've ever seen simply because you know, I was watching the game, etc. And I actually got to work with Trevor Brooking because he used to present on Radio 5 Live for a mm -hmm. while. Uh, he's one of my heroes in, in footballing <laughs> terms. So I can't go against uh, West Ham. West Ham to win 2-1. Yeah, I think the problem with Watford is they, they got a really shocking result in the opening day against Brighton and I wonder if that was a little bit of 
Vanam Nirmali. I, I think they'll get back to winning ways here, but West Ham are a strange team because one week they're either really good and the next week they're not so good. They got beat 5-0, obviously, by City first game, which, you know, is not exactly like the greatest opening game you would want. But, you know, I don't know with West Ham. I think they, they'll be a mid-table. They always seem to be mid-table, don't they? And Watford are the same. This is a sort of a mid-table game feel. Uh, but I'm going to go 1-0 Watford. Uh, now, half-five game on Saturday is one I'll be tuning into. Liverpool-Arsenal. Yeah, I'll be listening to, to that on the way down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm coming back That's from, true. from Ross County. That's true. Um, I'm once off the ball's finished, obviously. Absolutely, um, absolutely. Don't want to upset Stuart in town now. <laughs> definitely not. Um, Liverpool are again. If Liverpool want to win this title, they've got to, they've got to take care of the top teams at home as well. Completely. Their home record has to continue. Arsenal. I'm not 100 percent convinced. I think again. I mean, David Luiz <laughs> is, is a bit of a strange one going there. Yeah. Um, and I'm still not convinced. I mean, Kieran Tierney. I think will be a, a huge success down there I don't think anybody doubts that uh, but Liverpool under clock 2-0 against Arsenal I'm going for a bit of a goal blitz here uh, I'm going for 3-2 Liverpool um, I'm not sure Liverpool are strong defensively this year I don't know what it is but there are teams getting at them a wee bit more already this year than they were last season and with, you know, with Arsenal with Aubameyang and Lacazette they will score goals but are they going to be suitable at the back? I don't think they will. So I'm going for a bit of a goal blitz there. Um, Sunday's games. Um, the first one I've kind of got down here is... Oh, no, yes. Uh, Bournemouth against Man City. Yeah, again, it's the kind of game that you'd expect Man City to just go down, win reasonably comfortably. But Bournemouth, they've had a couple of good results. They're, they're not a bad side. But again, Man City are just so far ahead of everybody wouldn't surprise me they scored early and won comfortably 3-0 yeah I've, I've, I've gone 2-0 um, I think Bournemouth all, like, like you said you know smaller teams putting up a wee bit of a fight and then they lose the first goal maybe the kind of heads go down a wee bit and I, I think City will do that they just have too much quality going for us I'm going for 2-0 um, penultimate game well there's two games at half four um, Tottenham against Newcastle is one of those yeah, I mean, Newcastle are the footballing core of a dumpster fire. Are you really worried for them already? Um, Newcastle is one of my favourite places to go and work. I was fortunate enough to cover Newcastle a few times on Match of the Day. It's the nicest place to go. It's the a great stadium as well. Are great. The stadium's amazing. Everything about it is first class, apart from the team. <laughs> um, and, and the owner as well. I, I've got a little degree of sympathy for Mike Ashley because it's his club, you know, it's his money. I don't believe that fans have got the right to demand that the owner spends everything that that he owns. But the PR side of it's a disaster. Um, he's just done daft things, letting Rafa Benitez go. Yeah, strange one. To bring, to, to bring in Steve Bruce, I mean, I like Steve Bruce, a tremendous player. Good, solid track record as a manager in, in certain, you know, clubs he's up and down. But the problem is... He, he, you know, you're trading Benitez in for Bruce. Exactly. And that just doesn't cut it with people. It's like exchanging gold for bronze. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it, it's as strange as I say. I think, by the same token, I think Steve Bruce gets a very hard time as well. Yeah, I agree uh, with that. But, but this is the kind of game, 
you know, Tottenham to win it at 3-0 wouldn't surprise yeah, me. Yeah, I've gone 3 0 as well. And I just think this might be a game where Harry Kane flexes his muscles and maybe gets a hat trick. Um, so yeah, I'm going for 3 0 for pretty much exactly the same reasons. Uh, and Wolves against Burnley is next up. Now remember Wolves of course have got Torino tomorrow night. So Ben's to see how they kind of come back off that game. Well, this is, I think Wolves, are, you know, you can run at this early stage in the season off a little bit of adrenaline uh, and keep things going. I'd like to see Wolves embrace, just embrace both competitions yeah, and go for it um, and, and have a swing at Torino. Um, I think that's it's a great thing. I think they'll be too strong for Burnley. Burnley have done really well over the years. Mm. Um my only thing against Burnley that's where I went to watch Southampton play Burnley against Southampton and it was strange I mean they parked the away buses right down the middle of the road yeah. literally you were 10 yards away from going in it was it was a very much a police operation to get mm. the away fans in and out it was very strange mm, mm. Um, so uh, yeah I wasn't convinced on that particular occasion. Uh, rambling slightly, yeah, I, th I think I'll take uh, 1-0. Uh, I'm going to go draw. Uh, Burnley are, a, again, like West Ham, a strange team, and I always think they're very good at home and not so good away, but I think that myth's getting a little bit kind of... Uh, wrong now and I think Burnley had a wee bit more to go away from home and I just wonder well I think there might be a little bit of a headache off that trip for, to Italy and I think Burnley might get a point in that one okay Paul we're coming very much to the end of the podcast I've just got a few listener questions for yourself um, if you're happy to answer a couple of course <laughs> Absolutely, Grant. Go for it. I'm really enjoying the conversation. I will say about the predictions, I'm a hopeless predictor. No, no, hey, hey, that's that. That is the beauty of this podcast. Bad predictions cancelled out by good crack. That is what it's all about. Um, so my first question to you is from Glenn Schroeder, who of course was on a previous episode of my podcast. Uh, what does Paul make of VAR in England, and would he like to see it in Scotland? VAR, I was a big fan of. It was to overturn the egregious, the obvious. The the way they're doing it at the moment, they are taking it to the extreme letter of the law and they're killing football. Sunday was a prime example between Man City and Tottenham. Not a single player on that part complained about mm. the final goal by Jesus. And yet VAR comes and, and cuts it out because the ball brushed against his arm. And it is by the letter of the law. It was the correct decision, but to me that's that's sucking the soul out of football. I think VAR needs to be reconfigured mm -hmm. um, because I say it's. I would actually like to see a challenge system introduced. I agree, as as they have in American football or in cricket is the way I'd like to see it. But yeah, I think that's a good yeah, choice. Uh, I I don't think anybody at Spurs would have challenged that goal. Mm -hmm. I, I don't. I don't think Pochettino kind of thought about it was at the time, you know. And obviously Guardiola was a little bit sort of, I don't know, annoyed about it to say the least. Obviously, but yeah, it was it was a weird one. And then, and then you see things like offsides. In my opinion, now when you're seeing VAR, it's kind of developing into oh well, if it's like offside, if you're playing a game of FIFA, for example, and it's like a, a hairs with offside, then it can't stand. But this isn't this isn't a computer game. This is real life, you know. Yeah, I mean, I think they're taking it too far. I agree. It should be for egregious errors. I mean, uh, you know, Republic of Ireland went out the World Cup, you know, the qualifiers a number of years ago because the ball was punched into the net. Uh, by Henri, of course. Stuff. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The stuff that is so obvious. What my argument, Grant, is the stuff that's obvious to the viewer after one replay. Yeah. 
Now, everybody else in the stadium knows, you know, there was a penalty, I think Hearts played, was it Rangers last year, there was a penalty given, um, and I somebody within a minute had sent me a text showing me, you know, the still a replay, basically saying it's not a penalty. Mm. Now, they could see that on the first replay. If you can see it after the first or second replay, then it should be reversed. Exactly. Exactly. The decision on the field stands should always be the thing, unless there's a compelling reason to overturn. So I was a supporter of VAR. I'm less convinced of it now. Interesting. Thank you for that answer. Uh, Tom, uh, another friend of mine, ha- has asked me, what is your favourite game you've commentated on or experienced? Um, I think arguably they're two different things because I mean the whole experience of doing um, Scotland playing in a World Cup qualifier in Italy in the San Siro doesn't really get much better than that mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. under floodlights San Siro uh, national TV audience I mean that that's tremendous that, that that's one of the peaks as a broadcaster um, so that's what so the overall experience of going to Milan and you know the day of the game and, and Everything around it was was quite amazing. Uh, favorite games? I mean, I, I'd like to look at some of the European stuff. I mean, Hibs against the AK Athens when Paco Luna uh, misses a header to win the tie for Hibs, um, and Hibs eventually go out. Hearts had a tremendous night against Stuttgart. Yeah, I remember that. that. Makes the, the the atmosphere just that that little bit that little bit special. So it's often you know the European nights. I've been lucky enough. I've covered. I think it's 13 cup finals um, and all of them were special in their own way because again you're doing a, a, you know, a national cup final uh, either for you know national television or radio um, so they, they are the special games um, for me I mean it's the three games to me that, that stand out for, from, for yourself that have, that have commented for I can relate, recollect is the two games against France um, the one of course when James McFadden smashes in that Tremendous strike into the top corner in uh, in Paris, uh, and then Gary Caldwell scoring the goal at Hamden. That's the that's the, the two that stand out for me. But as an Aberdeen fan, obviously Copenhagen for me is right up there. Um, you talked about Bayern Munich earlier on. I mean that that's a very close thing. But for me, Copenhagen that night, uh, Jamie Smith should have had a hat trick. I still maintain he misses the, heart, the easiest chance of the three he had. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean that that was a great night, and that's what I mean. It's there's just something extra special about the European nights where the grounds are full, mainly of home fans. There's that special thing under lights, and I mean, I always support the Scottish side, but I will never be you know, us or we or anything like that. I was never like that with Scotland either. I think I said us about twice in all the internationals that I covered. I always believe you should treat the game fairly. Yeah. You want Scotland to win, obviously, but you should treat things fairly. I mean, the McFadden goal in Paris was something I was working with James the other day. I was talking to him about it. Uh, I mean, it was it was a special moment uh, as far as I was concerned. I mean, I I covered that game, uh, but I nearly well, I was actually thrown out the stadium. <laughs> Um, by uh, by a steward in the fact that he wouldn't let me back into the the commentary position. <laughs> um, so, long story short, basically, I, I, my pass was a television pass, but we were working out of a radio area, um, and he was letting me go up and down. You know, I was there two hours before the game, wandering up back to press room, blah blah blah, and then with about. 25 minutes ago he stopped me going back up because I had the wrong pass and wouldn't let me back up and uh, my boss Tom Connor who's working on radio side had to come down and escort me away <laughs> um, 
take me down, I actually went outside the front of the stadium, snuck back in, came up another set of stairs and climbed my way all the way along the, the stand to actually get in place to do the game. Mm-hmm. I've got one, one final question from Malcolm. Um, it says, what do you make of Cove Rangers' progress so far coming up? I think one of the smartest things Cove Rangers did was go and get Paul Hartley. Uh, he, you know, Scottish international player, played at the highest level, great managerial experience, successful at Aloha, successful at Dundee. Uh, that was the smartest thing they could have done. And as a result, he's got the nous and the experience. Um, and I think a lot of it is down to the club and the infrastructure, but I think the move of bringing in Paul Hartley was a genius one for Cove Rangers. Do you think they'll win that league? I think they'll be competitive. I I worry that they'll run out of steam. Um, But I I think they will be competitive. And I think that's all they want to be. They want to just show that they are part of it. I think we might get to a stage in the season where we won't be surprised that Cove Rangers are beating teams. Interesting. Uh, well, we're actually almost right at the end now. There's there's one last question that I have personally, um, and I usually end this with every podcast I do, Paul. Um, I want you to give me your three predictions for the season. One that you think is a slam dunk, one that you think has got half a chance, and one you think that has no chance but you would love to see happening. Wow. I think the slam dunk is probably Celtic for ten in a row. Um, I think Rangers are good I think it'll be close but Celtic have got the ability in the team to see it through Um, I think Stephen Gerrard will win a trophy would be my other prediction I think that's not quite a slam dunk because you know you know there there are good teams around Uh, what would I like to see happen now there's an interesting one Uh, I mean I would genuinely like to see the quality of play go up and for fans to actually start to enjoy the games more. Right. It, you know, if, if I was to hope for that, too often I get the feeling that, that some people go along and whether their team win 3 0 or you know, get beat 3 0, the idea is to go along, enjoy your day, support your team, have fun with your friends. If all you're doing is getting highly worked up and your blood pressure's going, I don't see the enjoyment in that. I would like to see a little bit more enjoyment in Scottish football, a little bit more tolerance of, of some of the humour. I love humour in football. It's just, it can be tremendous and I think we've got to stop the what's about you know well what about that and you did that and let's just enjoy some of it for what it is not everything is a direct insult to everybody yeah I think that's a very positive light to end the podcast so this has been Campbell's Football it's the only show where bad predictions are cancelled out by good crack I hope tonight's show was just what the doctor ordered um, Paul thanks very much for coming on Grant, it's been an absolute pleasure. I love talking football. It's great fun. No worries, and thank you all for tuning in. I'll be back with another show next week. But until then, bye-bye for now.